Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. I hope you're having an amazing day. We're talking about something that is a huge passion for me. Massive passion. Something I think about a dozen times a day or more. And that's how we raise kids as it relates to food and weight. What we do, what we don't do, how we influence them positively. Before we get into all of that, and I tell you why this is such a huge passion for me, I'm uh, recording on my cell phone instead of my normal mic because my iMac crapped out today. I'm one of those people that I always put off doing the updates because I feel like every time I run an update, my computer gets jacked up. And sure enough, that's what happened. I was getting kicked off Zoom, so I'm like, maybe I just need to update my computer. Big mistake. So I'm waiting for another one to come. I have another computer, but like my mic stuff is uh, not compatible with it at this time. So we gotta wait. So I'm recording on my phone with a little plug-in mic. So if the audio quality sucks, give me grace. Have a little, have a little patience because this is an important topic, even if uh, I don't have my regular mic. Okay, let me tell you where my passion for this comes from. I mean, obviously I'm a mom. But before that, and probably even more influential than that, I was a really overweight kid from the jump. I was a big baby. I was a really big toddler. I was a fat elementary kid. I was an obese middle schooler, high schooler, young adulter. And, you know, I've done episodes with my mom and I wrote about in Chasing Cupcakes some of the ways that her approach to it influenced me and we thank god can joke about it now and laugh about it and and really reflect on how things could have maybe been different what she would do differently there weren't the resources that there are now you know there weren't podcasts about health and nutrition in the early 80s there weren't professionals who dedicated their lives to getting the word out i mean the resources that my mom had were like Weight Watchers and a dietitian, And she did those things. I mean, I was in Weight Watchers as a like elementary middle schooler with women in their 40s and 50s talking about things that I shouldn't have been sitting there listening to, but I was. And when she took me to a dietitian, the dietitian suggested that she pack for lunch those little, now they're probably packets, but before they were these tiny, tiny cans of tuna that looked and smelled like cat food with crackers. And she was like, just have her eat this. I mean, atrocious advice. So my mom was seeking help. She knew she didn't have all the answers, but she wasn't getting great counsel. And even the stuff that happened at home exacerbated my issues with food and weight. So I've talked about this before. I'm not going to get into it because we've got a million episodes on it. But my mom had a lot of shame and fear around having an overweight kid. She felt that it reflected on her as a parent, right? But also, she didn't want me to be bullied. She didn't want me to be picked on. She didn't want me to be unhealthy. She didn't want me to isolate or be unhappy. And so she really put a lot of time and effort into trying to get me to lose weight, which kind of backfired because I felt very much like I was 
being monitored and that there were good foods and bad foods. And if I ate bad foods, I did a bad thing. And if I lost weight, I was good. And I did, you know, I, I was a good girl. And um, it led to a lot of sneaking food, a lot of shame, just bad stuff. So that's the primary reason that this is a huge passion for me. Even as a teenager, I remember thinking like, what would I do if I had an overweight kid or an overweight teen? And I've probably thought about it every day since. Sorry if you hear like squeaking. I was sitting, I need to get comfortable here. I need to get comfortable. Okay, so I've thought about this so much since I was young. And then of course, now that I'm a mom, I think about it constantly. I read about it. I talk to people. I've talked to my mom. I've talked to quote unquote experts as much as anybody can be an expert in raising kids because every situation is so different. So I lead with that caveat. I'm not a parenting expert. I have some beliefs and opinions that come from my own experience that come from talking to so many of you who have kids who are overweight or you are curious about how to not instill or influence negative behaviors around food or weight in your own kids. And so I just wanted to to talk about that and talk about my approach with my kids. Of course, also, my kids are very young. I mean, the twins obviously aren't even eating. Um, Roman is 19 months old. So I'm sure that in five years, I will have even more thoughts and I will absolutely share them. But let's first talk about feeding kids. Because food and weight are separate issues. And when it comes to food, my approach is exposure, exposure, exposure. Sure, if we just gave Roman chicken nuggets and and mac and cheese, he would eat it. And a lot of times as a parent, you just want your kid to eat, you know, and I very much feel that I don't want to put something in front of him that he's not going to eat. But at the same time, I want him to eat well. And I want him to grow up that way. You know, we grew up in a household and it was just the day and age that we were living in where everything was very low fat and very high carbs. There was lots of cereal. There was pasta. There was orange juice. There's all of these things. And we know now, we understand so much more now, it's much more mainstream now, that those things just stoke hunger, right? They put you on a blood sugar roller coaster. You're hungry shortly after you eat. And that was very true for me. At the same time, those things are very palatable for kids. The pasta, the cereal, all of that stuff is very palatable for kids. But I don't want that to become my son's norm. And then in five years, 10 years, I'm trying desperately to get him to eat broccoli or to get him to eat something that's not fried in terms of protein. So the way that we have approached this, and we didn't do purees with Roman. We never did. We never did baby food. We never did purees. At six months, we went right to regular real food. We started with things that were pretty easy, but not necessarily soft. Like I think his second food was bison. His first food was probably avocado, Um, but then we went right to bison and not even like ground or pureed, just a strip of bison that we would give him to chew on. So our approach is really about exposure. I want to give him what we are eating, not special kid food. And yes, we do give him mac and cheese and we give him hot dogs, even if we're not eating that, but that's 
more the exception than the rule. What we eat, he eats. One thing that I keep in mind is I like to have one thing that I know he will gravitate towards. At least one thing that we serve him is something that I know or I think he's really going to like. So we gave him oysters not that long ago. My mom and her husband have been digging up oysters here local to us, and they brought some by, and I like oysters, Chris likes oysters. If we're eating oysters, we're going to expose Roman to that. And I wasn't sure if he would like it or not, so he also had applesauce and broccoli and whatever the oysters, I think we prepared them with like bacon and some peppers and things like that. So he was exposed to a bunch of things, but I knew he would be cool with the applesauce. I wanted to expose him to all the other things. That's how we treat it, right? Tonight, uh, Chris had made a, a pork dish in the slow cooker. And so pork is what he had. And we had just random leftover veggies and we gave him that. But we also gave him some noodles because we knew that he would like that. Exposure, exposure. Almost every single meal, we are exposing him to things that we like, that we eat, that we want him to enjoy. And it's funny, I think it was a couple months ago, maybe not even that long, that I posted on Instagram, he was devouring broccoli, just absolutely devouring it. And a few people commented, like, it's amazing that your kid likes broccoli, my kids won't touch it. And I was like, well, for nine months, he, he threw broccoli on the floor every single time we gave it to him, but we just keep introducing it and keep introducing it. And what's interesting is some days he'll eat it and some days he wants nothing to do with it, but we're going to continue the exposure. Kids don't need special kid food. The other thing is, and again, not an expert, but one thing that we are really committed to as parents and feeding kids is we don't force him to eat it. It's not oh, you have to take one more bite of this. There's no pressure around it. But we do talk about, just try it. See if you like it. You didn't like it last time. You might like it this time. And this is something, uh, my my husband has a, has a 13-year-old from a previous relationship. And when she's with us, we do the same thing with her. So it's not like this is just for young kids. And trying it doesn't have to mean bite it, chew it, swallow it. You can smell it. You can touch it. You can lick it. You can take a bite and not finish it. Like we just want to have that approachability with food. And the way that we talk about it, even though, you know, I mean, Roman understands what we're saying, but he's obviously still very young. We'll say like, mom hasn't liked olives up until now, but I still want to try it because sometimes things change. There's lots of things that I used to not like that I really like now. And so I do the same thing. Chris likes mushrooms. I don't like mushrooms, but I will always, I'm going to smell it. I'm going to taste it. I'm going to bite it. Mm, Nope, not for me, but at least I tried. And so we have that approach of, you never know, things are prepared differently. Like growing up, I hated Brussels sprouts. And I think it's because I never had them prepared from fresh. It was always from frozen. And I still think frozen Brussels sprouts are totally disgusting. But We always talk about food in that way and never in the way of like, you have to have one more bite of XYZ if you want to have dessert or if you want to go outside. We don't approach it that way. If he doesn't eat much, he doesn't eat much. He's going to eat when he's hungry. You know, it's not, when I was growing up, I remember very clearly one time we had a softball game and my dad had cooked asparagus with whatever else and we didn't want to eat the asparagus. And he was like, okay, you have to eat your asparagus or you're not going to your softball game. And 
I don't remember if we went to the softball game or not, but I remember him saying things like, it's going to be your breakfast. And yeah, whatever. It's funny. It didn't scar me. It didn't damage me. So I'm not suggesting we're avoiding it for those reasons, but I do think there's a better way. And if you don't want to eat it, cool. You don't have to eat it. This is what we have. If we Again, because I'm introducing something that I know or assume he's going to like, because we kind of know our kids' preferences, it's not like he's hungry. And we also do snacks, which is really my next point and might be one of the top two or three important things. We don't keep junk in the house, right? Our cleaning ladies came today and because it's holiday time, they left us some chocolates. So there are treats in the house. Somebody came to see the babies a couple weeks ago and they brought like a coffee cake. There's that stuff, but it's not stuff we are bringing in. So the snacks that we have to choose from as adults and that our kids have to choose from are things that I'm not trying to police. If we had Oreos in the house, then I wouldn't want Roman having 12 Oreos. But look, if Roman wants to have 12 string cheeses, go for it, kid. I mean, I'm not trying to police quantity when I am controlling quality and what's there. The other day, he had, you know, those little like, um, they're not clementines, they're a little bit smaller than that. I think they're called cuties, little oranges. He had five. He's 19 months old. He had five in like an hour period. He just kept wanting more. So I'm like, okay. I understand if people have different approaches to that. That's just mine. And it might evolve over time. But because I'm controlling the quality, I let him control the quantity. Obviously, if it's something where, uh, like the other day, I baked cranberry bread for the holidays. I'm not going to let him eat a loaf of cranberry bread. But there are certain foods that are snack food and we keep things like the the cuties the string cheese he really likes macadamia nuts obviously we make sure that they're not a choking hazard for him um he's really good with with chewing and things like that he's not much of a choker i think because we never started with purees those are the things that he has to choose from for a snack and so i feel good about that in my house when i was growing up one of the big things was that there was ice cream in the house. There was um, even granola bars. I would binge on granola bars because my food was so restricted by my mom in an attempt to lose weight. So those kinds of things were in the house and I would go overboard on them. But we really try to stick to the whole foods. Um, he does have some crackers and things like that. But even that, I'm not policing it. If it was sugar, if it was you know something that I was concerned about, then I would have to feel the need to police it. And I don't want to do that. So if we go out and we, over the summer, we went out for ice cream a couple times and we would let him have bites of our ice cream. Cool. No big deal. But we don't keep that stuff in the house. And I really think that's a, that's a big part of it. Big part of it. He can eat as much as he wants because I control the quality. Now there's another piece of this puzzle that I think is a huge piece, though it's not directly related to food and it's activity level. My sense is that most kids are not active enough and don't spend enough time outside. I have been really into books on this topic in the last year or so and uh, the like a thousand hours outside project and things like that. We really make an effort. It's been harder since the twins came home, but it's getting easier now that we're kind of in a rhythm. We really make an effort for him to spend as much time outside playing as possible, as possible. When you're inside and it's that lower energy and you can see the pantry and you can see the fridge, 
you're just, if you're bored, if you're looking for something to do, snacking is a big part of it. Not to mention that the whole weight piece of it. We want our kids to be active, as active as possible. So that is a massive effort on our part, even when it's inconvenient, and it's often inconvenient, especially with very young twins at home. We try to get them to spend time outside as much as possible and also minimize screens. Um, I bought an iPad for him years ago because I earned points for it. So it was essentially free and I didn't need one. And we haven't given it to him because I don't want him to have a tablet. I don't want him to get into handheld electronics. And, you know, I have friends who have kids who are six or eight or 12. And the more that I see of that behavior, the more I don't want that for him when he's that age. There's a time when for schooling, having a computer makes a lot of sense, but getting into that doing things for entertainment on a screen, I think the longer that we can push that off, the better, for sure. One more thing about activity and being outside. There's a book, and I think it's called something like, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but it's called something like, There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather. And that's been huge for me because when Roman was really little, I'd be like, oh, it's raining outside. We can't go outside. No, no, no. Go outside in the rain. Go outside in the rain. It's healthy for us as adults. It's healthy for kids. Get wet. Get dirty. It's no big deal. You can dry off. You're not made out of sugar. It's really, really cold. Great. Bundle up. Maybe spend less total time or shorter time increments outside and pay attention to the hands and the lips and all of those kinds of things. But like, Go outside when it's cold. Go outside when it's raining. Go outside when it's hot. There's no such thing as bad weather. And that uh, that was a good perspective shift for me. The other thing I think about, I was talking to, uh, we, we uh, have hired a woman who's going to be spending some time at our house starting in January so that I can get more work done. And we were joking about how kids are a little bit like, labs like dogs <laughs> they they are well behaved when they are well exercised right and obviously we don't mean that literally we're not putting them out on a lead and making them run laps but it's true that you have fewer behavioral problems and you also have fewer food problems and fewer weight problems when you have a kid who moves enough and gets outside enough and runs around and plays and is active in whatever way they can be active even though especially when you have young kids. It's a lot of work. It's not a laid back activity for us to take Roman outside. I mean, it is nonstop. Like, don't eat that. Don't touch that. Don't go over there. Don't run in the street. I mean, it's nonstop, but it is the best thing for him. And it's good for us as well. The other side of this activity thing, and it's a big side of the nutrition thing, is be an example. Be an example. Let your kids see you work out regularly. Let your kids see you have a healthy, strong, mature relationship with food. It's very, very important. I started after the twins came home, Roman started working out with me in the mornings after breakfast. We go out, we work out, he's there. Yes, he slows me down. Yes, I have to take more breaks because he wants to climb up on me or he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing or he fell and he's crying, whatever it is. But the benefit of him seeing me do that outweighs 
the kind of downside of my workouts maybe aren't as high of an intensity. Maybe they take a little bit longer. Maybe I move a little bit slower. All of those kinds of things. Let your kids see you work out. Let them participate. And not every once in a while, often, all the time, routinely, it is something that they expect in their day and it is a staple of their environment. And the same thing is true with food. If your kids are constantly hearing you say like, oh, I shouldn't eat that. I need to lose some weight. You are instilling that mindset in them. What I am, you know, it's funny, Roman's only 19 months old, but he's shown us so many times that he is extremely aware of everything we say and do and even things we don't say. So I'm very mindful, even though it feels like I have more time, I don't. I am very mindful of if I turn something down I explain I don't have as much energy when I eat that or I have more energy if I don't have that really often or I'm just going to have a little bit of this because if I have a lot, I don't have as much energy. I don't feel as good. My body doesn't feel as good. And it's not about weight, even though I am losing weight right now. But the relationship with you that you have with food is going to dramatically influence the relationship your kid has with food. Now, my mom was very thin and still is very thin, but her relationship with food was very much around weight. Absolutely positively. Even though I don't ever remember it being explicitly stated, the way that she talked about food for me and my weight reflected how she thought about food in her own life, even though she didn't have a weight problem. So your relationship with food, whether it is stated in front of them or it's just what they observe, will absolutely influence them. So work on your own relationship with food. Have them see that and be active, be fit. Have them involved in that in whatever way possible, as much as possible, and that's going to be huge. One thing we're doing with Roman is we are, as a nutritional insurance policy, including a couple of supplements. And literally, I mean just two. One is a sort of prebiotic, probiotic blend that we mix with water. He's obsessed with it. He begs for it. And the other is a chewable multivitamin. I don't remember regularly taking a chewable multivitamin, and I think up until a couple of years ago, I probably wouldn't have really emphasized it for my kids. However, for immunity and the development of their immune system and their body's ability to fight things off, especially because the way kids eat is often so variable. One day they eat really well, the next day they don't. One day it seems like they're into fruits and vegetables, the next day they're not. I want to make sure that we're just like covering those bases for immunity, for growth and development, for the microbiome. Um, So he does take a chewable multi. He begs for it. It's honestly kind of annoying. Uh, He can say vitamin. He knows where they are. He opens the drawer. He brings it to me. He can't open it, obviously. Um, He begs for his quote unquote pink drink and his vitamin 100 times a day. Uh, which on the one hand, it can be a little annoying because I have to be like, nope, you already had your vitamins today. You have to wait until tomorrow. And sometimes there's meltdowns around that. But I feel really good that we're just covering those bases. That's huge for me, especially, you know, we spent 93 days in the NICU with the twins. We understand how any kind of immune impairment can rock your world. So we just really want to build that up for him. So uh, we do do those two supplements. 
a lot of people listening might be in a position where they have an older kid and there's already a concern about weight. Maybe their kid is already overweight. The approach to this, I feel, depends on so many factors. One of the big ones is, is the kid aware of any kind of concern with their weight? Like, did they have their own concern? Are they asking for help? Are they telling you they want to change it, right? If you have a 13-year-old that's like, mom, I wish I wasn't so fat. I really want to lose weight. The kids are picking on me. That is a very different situation than having a nine-year-old who's chubby or heavy and you have the concern. Those are two very, very different scenarios. And that's just one of the factors. Their age is a factor. Even if they have expressed concern or they haven't, their age is a big factor. And I think your relationship with food and your own health status is a factor. If I had, if I was a mom of a nine-year-old who had a weight issue and they weren't coming to me being like, mom, I'm fat, I don't want to be fat, I want to lose weight, I would first be like, how can I get as healthy as possible and be the best possible example I can be? And that would be step one for me. I would not be talking to their doctor about it and spoiler, 99% of the family practice docs out there don't know crap about getting your kid in a healthy lifestyle, healthy way of eating weight loss. That's just, they're not trained for that. Um, so keep that in mind. But I would be looking at myself first. Honestly, even if they were coming to me saying like, hey, mom, what should I do? Hey, mom, can you help me? I would look at myself first. Because whether you say it or you think you hide it or you think they don't notice, they notice. They are watching how you act with food and exercise and all of those kinds of things. So that would be the first place I go. Um, and then your language about it is huge. Hopefully, this is something that's already established, but really, somebody commented, uh, I put a video up and Roman was talking and they were like, wow, for 19 months, like he has so many words and he does. He probably has like 300 words. I'm not even joking. Um, but it's because I talk to him constantly. And when we are, you know, if we're driving, I'll talk to him about what we're driving by. If I'm cleaning, I'll talk to him about cleaning. And so I make a point, if we're in the grocery store, I talk to him about what we're getting and why. If I'm making dinner, I talk to him about why we're having protein. The other day, Chris made a spaghetti squash dish that was like mac and cheese, but it was spaghetti squash instead of noodles. And I said to Chris, like, what are you thinking we're going to do protein-wise? And he was like, oh, I'll just throw some chicken thighs on the grill. And so I make a conscious point. I wouldn't normally do this if there weren't kids around, but I'll say, like, even if he's not listening, he's playing with cars, we got to make sure we've got protein, right? Because we want to make sure that our meals are protein-forward because protein helps us blah, 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 blah. And I, I verbalize that and I talk about it. So I guarantee you when he's two and a half, three years old, He's going to know that. He's going to be able to tell me that if I ask him why we have protein. So I, I communicate about those things with the hopes that, and I'll update you when he's four, five, six years old, with the hopes that when he's that age, he's looking for the protein component of the meal. Make sure that's there. He understands why fats are so important, and he understands how certain carbohydrates can influence our energy in positive and negative ways and, and why. I talk about that kind of stuff. And I really believe that that's a big part of helping your kids 
develop a healthy relationship with food, right? It is part of, it's the only thing we have to give our bodies to operate and to repair and to heal. I mean, aside from sleep, right? So it's so hugely important. And then if you if you have an older kid who has a weight issue, I really believe that, you know, at the seven, eight, nine mark, so long as you are demonstrating a really healthy relationship with food and with activity and they don't have any obvious uh, like negative associations with food or whatever, chances are they're going to grow out of it, especially if they're active and you're active and that's just part of lifestyle. They're probably going to grow out of it, especially when they hit that puberty mark. But if you've got a 15, 16, 17-year-old and they're struggling with their weight and they're talking about it and they're wanting help, find somebody who specializes it and then talk to them about their approach before you ever let them talk to your kid. Talk to them about what they do, what they don't do, about the people they've worked with, what issues they've run into, what they consider to be warning signs of any kind. Like, work with somebody who is an expert in this, but that you have thoroughly vetted. Because you are not the expert in things that can become lifelong struggles. I mean, you're the expert in your kid, but that doesn't mean that you're the expert in every single area of their lives that they might struggle with. So do not hesitate to seek out help, but thoroughly vet that help before you ever introduce them to your kid. So, but remember too, just because it's an issue for you doesn't mean that it's an issue for them. And there's so many other factors at play. Like I just, when I was in that three, four, five, six, seven, even eight age range, I didn't have dysfunctional, maybe at eight I did, but up until like second grade or so, I didn't have dysfunctional behaviors around food. I would have grown out of it. I was a really, really active kid. I would have grown out of it. But when the the sneaking and the hiding stuff came in, that's when it kind of became a downward spiral. Know that if your kid is sneaking or hiding, it's because they think that they might get in trouble or they might be judged. And that's a you thing and not a them thing. So that's something you need to fix and change not a them thing. It's not about how do we get my kid to stop sneaking food. It's about what are we doing in our environment that makes them think they have to. That's a really, really big difference. I want to say that again. If you have a kid who's sneaking food, it's not an issue of the kid sneaking food. The issue is what is happening in our environment that makes my kid think they have to, that they can't just eat it openly in front of mom or dad or whoever's in the house, right? That's what has to be addressed long before you're ever like, don't sneak food. You don't need to try to get them to change their behavior first. You want to first look at what's driving that behavior and address that. I would love your thoughts. I would love your questions. I would love your challenges. And we can definitely continue this conversation. But I wanted to get a primer out there, especially around how we're approaching food and movement and body stuff uh, with our kiddos, what our plan is, what our approach is, how we're working to get them to be great eaters, um, which really is about exposure, 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 never stop exposing. Yeah, and not forcing. All right. I'd love to continue this conversation. So let me know what you think, what's on your mind, and uh, we'll keep on talking about it. If you're parents, you're doing a great job. It is a hard job and you're doing a great job. And I'm here to help in whatever way I can because we're all just figuring it out together. Nobody knows what they're doing. All right. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.